The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. This is the Boys of Tech, episode 81, for Monday, 30 August 2010. Your hosts are Edwin Herbin, that's me, and Brett King, who joins us via Skype. Welcome along, Brett. Hello. I understand you've been watching TV today, or at least movies on your TV today. I have. I've been enjoying my brand new large television. (laughs) What is it? Go on, tell me. Uh, 55-inch Sony. Oh, 55-inch Sony yep. L- LCD, I take it? Yep. And uh, 55 is pretty much as big as they get, isn't it? Uh, you can get bigger. Uh, I've got a friend who's got a 72-inch. Oh, wow. <laughs> 70, oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, but that is getting insane. a little obscenely large. <laughs> and the pixelation on it is, well, <laughs> ginormous. Yeah, well, you, you know, that's the thing. And if, if you look at the pixel density, which they don't publish, but you can work out by you know, dividing the, the pixels by inches, that does vary a bit from set to set. It does. And I was looking at TV sets at one point, and I was looking at the 32-inch versus a 40-inch, and some of them had the same resolution, but of course on the 40-inch, it looks a lot more pixelated. Yep. So, you know, as long as you've, they're putting in more pixels, you're fine, but yeah. Oh, wow, good stuff. I'll, yeah, yeah. It's taken me a long time to finally make the decision to buy one, because they, they finally had a decent, large LCD. Because uh, I wasn't going to settle for you know a thirty inch or a forty something inch, because even though width wise it would have been larger than my twenty nine inch CRT which I had previously, the height was drastically smaller. Oh, because they make them and quite so, wide, don't they? Yeah, because they're it's all wide. <laughs> all of that width, all of that dimension width is all in the width. So they're very wide, but they're not as tall as your standard square sort of 29-inch CRT television. And I like a tall picture. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I, like I, to have to sit directly in front, you know, half a meter away from my television, <laughs> a 30-inch television to get the full effect. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, I, something I never really thought about, but it, it makes sense, you know, because with them wide these days, you, as you say, you don't get the height. And height is just as important really as, as width when, when it comes to a screen. Yeah, I am when interested, it comes to a comfortable viewing. But although I am surprised that you got the 55-inch because a, a lot of people are saying that, you know, beyond 40, it's it's actually too big. Nah, lies. Because there does come <laughs> a point where it's just too big. It's, it's you know, uh, uh, but you, you think 55 is all right. I think 55 is perfect. It's got the height that my 29-inch had, but it's got full widescreen width. And when you're sitting and, you know, brilliant viewing angle, so <laughs> when you're sitting on any of the chairs or sofa in my lounge room, you can see the whole picture. It's great. I think I might have to pop around and have a look someday. <laughs> Come around, watch an epic movie. I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> we'll, we'll hook up a time later on. Uh, something I did today, actually, uh, earlier today, I met the, um, This, by the way, this will mean nothing uh, to the people outside New Zealand, but those in New Zealand will know the uh, the Mitre 10 Mega guy, you know, the one that goes, big is good. 
Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah met him, a very nice guy. His, his name's Levi. And got my uh, photo taken with him and my little three-year-old. Uh, as, as did many other parents. We were actually at a, a sort of an expo type thing. And he was there. It was sponsored by Mida 10. So if you want to check out my mugshot, it's on flickr.com slash plunkettnz. So there you go, yeah. Oh, funny. He's 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 big. I'm telling you, his. Oh well, yeah, he he looks big on the television. So I oh, guess he's bigger in real life. He'd be pretty freaking huge. Oh yeah, his arms, his arms are, are, are bigger. Okay, I'm not particularly big, but you know, my his arms are bigger than a reasonably muscular fella's legs. They are huge. <laughs> he is huge. <laughs> you wouldn't want to cross him. I tell you that. But, no, you. But you know, I actually think he's a big softy because he is—he's such a nice guy. You know, he said a few words to my little one, and I exchanged a couple of pleasantries with him. He's such a pleasant guy, at least on the face of it. Mm. But um, no, I'm sure he is. So there you go. <laughs> so anyway, on with the show. Episode eighty-one, we're at, and uh, only nineteen to go to reach the centenary, which will happen Ooh. sometime early next year. Mm. But in the meantime, I thought I'd kick off with a, a kind of cool story. I like the story. It's a, about a family who had their photo taken, and they, I think they put the camera somewhere and had it on a timer. So they, you know, you take your photo of yourself and you run back to the spot and wait for the the camera to uh, to do its thing. They turn around to pick up their bags where they'd left them. They're gone. Someone had taken their bags while their photo was being taken, and oh, suddenly, no, no I, I I know. It's who would have thought? This is in, in the U.S. by the way. In Wisconsin. Who would have thought? And then he realizes, hang on, what if the thief is in the photo? And indeed, he checks his camera and right, <laughs> just the perfect timing. As the camera snapped, the thief was busy uh, fishing around uh, picking up his bag. I know. And the then the photo is so the clear. The thief wasn't moving. He wasn't in a hurry. He might have been, you know, being quick about it, but he was taking his time to look through it. So there's a nice, good quality photo of the dude rifling through their bags. I know. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> I love these. These are one of these unique stories that crop up from time to time, and uh, I, I really like them. So what actually mm. happened was they uh, uh, they were outside the U.S. Capitol in, in Wisconsin, and uh, – in Madison, that is, in Madison, Wisconsin. And they went into the uh, local police there to report it straight away, and they caught the guy uh, not far away, and uh, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Happy ending. It's cool, isn't it? <laughs> it is quite well, it's cool. not cool that it happened, but it's cool, no. you know, <laughs> how it happened, if you know what I mean. Yep. How the thief was caught, and that he was caught, and all their stuff got returned. You'd think the thief would have, I don't know, had a look to see that the camera wasn't kind of pointing in his direction. <laughs> well, who thinks about cameras these days? Well, I mean, that's the thing, you know, and actually it, with surveillance these days, there's probably a, a dozen other cameras that would have caught him on, on film anyway, but it was kind of mm. neat that it was caught on the uh, on the camera itself. Yeah, on the family's very on, own on camera. camera. And the resolution of that camera would have been far better than any of the security cams. That oh, yeah, yeah. It was a Canon itself. G7. Yeah. <laughs> I almost bought that one, actually. It, it's a very, very nice camera. It's a couple of years old now, but, uh, you know, it's a very nice camera. And as you said correctly, Brett, it did take a very good pic that you could zoom in on and there's still enough pixels there to, to make them out very clearly. So if you're interested in uh, having a look at some of those the, the photos from that story, just do a Google News search on camera bag thief and that should bring up a bunch of stories on that and you can have a look at the photos. Mm. <laughs> there you go. Something perhaps not so nice is the uh, allegations that tobacco firms 
are using YouTube to promote smoking. Yeah, being sneaky that's the that's the the allegations running around is that because you know lots of places lots of countries have bans on tobacco firm advertising they're not allowed to advertise but yeah there are these allegations that that a tobacco industry is getting around these bans by putting things on youtube but not putting things on youtube as if they are from themselves but you know having innocuous usernames as if it's just regular community members posting these clips and also, I think the tobacco firms entered into a, a voluntary agreement, didn't they, that they wouldn't advertise yeah. on the net? Yep, they did. So, yeah, so this kind of goes, well, it's not, as you say, it's not direct advertising, but it's kind of what, like subliminal? Well, it, it's very pro-tobacco sort of, you know, advertising. It's not direct in your face advertising, you know, which would be blatantly obvious that it was, you know, tobacco company advertising. But um, just the a subtle study, message, yeah, in the yeah, video. Yeah, it's, it's just a subtle message. And the study that has brought this to light has said that a lot of the same sorts of messages and imagery is being used in these YouTube clips. And quite a few of them look very professionally made. Not your run-of-the-mill handycam <laughs> or webcam sort of YouTube clips. Right, so the suggestion is that these guys are, are doing this deliberately. It's uh, it's something that they are doing, and that's the way of getting around the fact that they can't advertise or not supposed yeah. to advertise. Indeed, that mm. that is the the allegations coming around at the moment. This research is out of uh, New Zealand, isn't it? It is. It is. I just noticed that now. Actually, <laughs> I had noticed it before. <laughs> there you go. So that's not particularly good, you know. But it doesn't. In a way, I'm not actually really surprised. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm not really surprised either. I mean, we all know they do the same with movies, don't they? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and actually Apple's the other one that comes to mind, although I, yeah, exactly. I agree there's a difference between the fact that using Apple computers isn't particularly bad for your health where smoking is. But yeah. uh, Apple are very big, you know, if every movie that has almost every movie that has a computer in it is a Mac. Always a Mac. Always <laughs> Apple or, logo. you know, it's their Macs or their Dells. Dells are also very common. Have they started doing that as well? Yeah. But tobacco use, um, well, tobacco presence in movies is actually falling, has been falling. Over oh, really? Hours. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Mm. I think Hollywood and the movie industries are changing with the times. They've seen that uh, a lot of the major Western countries are putting bans on tobacco in public places, uh, putting bans on tobacco in office buildings, uh, workplaces, that sort of thing. And so we're seeing that reflected in the movies that are coming out. Well, it's certainly becoming less uh, socially accepted, uh, <gasps> bit by bit. Uh, and yeah, so indeed. maybe you're right, maybe Hollywood is uh, sort of realising that. But I, having said that, I thought they were kind of you know, paid off by the industry. So if it's a little bit of cash in your pocket, why should they care? Why should Hollywood care? But a lot of the stuff that Hollywood produces is supposed to be set in our current time or in a place people are familiar with, major cities, those sorts of things. And with people knowing that those major cities, you don't smoke when you're in those buildings, having people in the movie lighting up in those buildings would just break that fourth wall. Oh, sort of I thing. see. Yeah. Break I, I, that you know, there is because the, it would be, that's not, that's obviously not this New York because you can't smoke in that building. Well, you know, <laughs> there's something to be said about that. And I, you know, I've noticed now when, when I see smoking inside, inside a building, 
it kind of strikes me as odd because here in New Zealand, and I, I don't know how it is around the world, but uh, you know, in New Zealand, you cannot smoke in in a public building, and you can smoke in your own home, but you can't smoke mm. in a shop, in a mall, in a cafe, in, in a, a bar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and when you see it happening in in the movies or in a TV series or something, it kind of strikes me as as something's not quite right here. This is odd. Why? Yeah, it, it, it makes it, you feel just a little bit off, and yeah. it takes you out of that being immersed in mm. the. That's in right. the you know the environment of the the movie in the movie and in the action it's because that doesn't happen <laughs> it's like that that breaks it for you I, I certainly wouldn't want to be putting shares in a tobacco industry right now no you know the, well, I, they still pull in a big <laughs> a, a lot of money yeah but it's surely it's a, a downhill slide isn't it surely yeah yeah you, would, you, you I don't know how definitely they be expecting that. I don't know who's buying shares when people sell. Mm. I don't quite know how well, that works. Wasn't it reported recently in New Zealand that the tobacco purchasing has dropped off quite significantly since the, the new levies were put on? Ah, well, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. I, I didn't see that particular story, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, a colleague of mine used to work not far from, from here in Wellington uh, at a factory that manufactures cigarettes, and they had this huge dispenser this massive dispenser of cigarettes that as an employee you could help yourself to and smoke uh, as many as you like a day oh god yeah <laughs> i don't know if that's i presume it's legal but that's what they did anyway yeah uh, you work for google you get one of those neat pods to go rest in <laughs> you work for a tobacco manufacturer you get a giant vat of tobacco <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know who i'd rather work for <laughs> yeah all righty. Now, Brett, you've got a PlayStation 3. You've probably seen the story about the hack that's come out. I have, yes. So this is a hardware hack. Uh, you basically plug in a USB dongle onto your PlayStation 3 and it suddenly unlocks a whole heap of restrictions such as being able to play any games, not just signed games and, uh, of course, copied games as well. Yep, and homebrew games. Yep. So what do you make of this? Um... It's been a long time coming. It's, yeah, it has taken them an incredibly long time to come up with a uh, uh, basically some way to mod a, a PlayStation 3, seeing as it's been out for quite a number of years now. A lot longer than that's, the iPhone jailbreak, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. This, <laughs> Maybe Apple should learn something from this. That's the first thing that struck me when it was announced. The second was the, the simplicity of it, it just being a USB dongle. Yeah, that's kind of nice. You, you don't have to do those hard, yeah, you don't have yeah, to open no, it up or no opening it up and voiding the warranty inside. No having to you know solder in a, a mod chip and oh, getting yeah, it nasty, and, nasty, and destroying your PlayStation and then never being able to <laughs> get a warranty, get it under warranty. This just a dongle you plug in, and it was interesting that one of the prospective distributors in Europe has said that it works by converting a retail PlayStation 3 uh, into thinking that it is a, a, a dev unit. Oh, uh, I one see. One which is allowed to run unsigned code, which game developers would use to test the code for the games that they're creating. So I wonder if this was a leak from from inside or whether it was a, a case of reverse engineering. Because, if, you know, uh, I'd imagine, uh, look, I'm, I'm only guessing, but surely 
wouldn't uh, Sony hand out some of the dongles to, or maybe not? I don't know. No, that hand out actual dev units to developers. Oh, okay, right, dedicated dev units. Dev oh, I see. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure with the purchase of the dev unit, you've got some pretty heavy license agreement to go with it. So I wonder how they came up with this. This is great if you if it's something you want oh, to it's do. It's taken them a long time. They could have thought of a better name for the product, though. I have to admit, well, I thought the, the name was pretty. Go on, you tell us what it is. It's called PS Jailbreak. What does PS stand for? I wonder. PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I, it. uh, I, I was expecting some whiz-bang sort of name, but no, no. I, I was disappointed with their, their naming. <laughs> okay, not very but creative. very impressed front. with the way that they've done it. You know, Sony's not happy about it. They're, they're pretty, they're very annoyed about that. And in fact, well, in as a you straight, would expect. Yeah. Well, understandably. And in Australia, Sony have managed to get a temporary ban to prevent Australian distributors from selling the dongle. And that ban, as I say, is temporary, uh, expires uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, August the 31st. Uh, although Sony can, before then, file for a permanent ban if, if they can, uh, you know, do all the paperwork and jump through all the hoops that they need to. Yeah. So it just, you know, for, for Sony to actually do this, it goes to show that they're very much annoyed. Yeah, ah, they, as you said, as would be expected from the the manufacturers, the legality of the the device is different in different countries. It would be classed as what's termed a mod chip for game consoles, and those are technically legal in Australia. They're not legal in the the UK. A recent court case by Nintendo put a stop to mod chips in the UK. But this could see Australia join those countries where the legality of this changes. Apparently they're legal in France as well. Hmm. And the Netherlands. So it varies from country to country. Hmm. Well, as you'd expect, really. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so there you go. Once a job breaks out, though, it's kind of game over, really, though, isn't it? I mean, well, don't you think kind of, ways- but it's it. It's not like the iPhone jailbreak, really. The iPhone jailbreak was something you could just download and do, you know, software. This actually requires hardware, and so oh yeah, so it is a little it's, bit. It's it's got yeah. a smaller it's got a smaller market than something like the, the iPhone jailbreak or a software jailbreak, because of the extra step you have to take, and that is a barrier to a lot of people. It's only some pretty intense gamers who would be going out to mod their devices to allow them to either play homebrew games that they've developed or play homebrew games that have been developed by the homebrew communities which spring up around these these units and those who want to play games from different regions or in the past it was games from different regions but the PlayStation 3 Sony was very smart about it with the PlayStation 3 being that games are regionless Whereas DVDs, you know, movies still have their regions, their zone locks. All games that are produced for the PlayStation 3 will play on any PlayStation 3, regardless of where you get your PlayStation 3 from. So you can buy games from Japan and play them on your New Zealand PlayStation 3. Not a problem, no mod needed. So they were Sony were very smart by doing that with the PlayStation 3. And I think that's what's helped slow down the development of any mod chip for the PlayStation 3. Is because a lot of the things that people created mod chips for, you could do already. That's why there was such a furor when Sony released that firmware update for the PlayStation 3, which removed the other OS option. Oh, that's right. Another OS. Mm. Yeah, you used to be able to install Linux on your PlayStation 3. As, you know, it was legal. There was the option, the, the whole 
uh, process was facilitated through the firmware. So a lot of those things which people created these mod chips to get around, you could already do with the PlayStation 3. Unfortunately, Sony released that firmware update, which removed the other OS. And so that community who loves to run Linux on whatever they can run Linux on, <laughs> because they can, they had the, you know, uh, the smash down with the can't do that anymore hammer and so this will be a, a boon to them they'll be able to run their stuff on there again update to the latest firmware and still be able to run linux on their machine and to the people doing homebrew you will actually see probably um, some homebrew communities springing up around creating things for this well, uh, what about pirated games though i mean well that's that it, is the, that's the other, other yeah that is the other you know, if that is the other significant market for these sorts of mod chip devices, these things which allow you to to bypass the code, uh, you know, the unsigned code protection on game consoles is those who create pirated, well, who get pirated games, stick them onto their hard drives and their machines, and then will now be able to run them. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that's always going to be... It's undeniable. Yeah. It's going to happen. And that's where I think Sony's taken a back step by stopping the ability through firmware to install your other OS and run Linux on your machine. They've really opened the gates for a device like this. Whereas previously, all of those legitimate reasons, all of those legitimate things you could do with that hardware, which was allowed, what you were able to do, then they stopped it. And so people have had to come up with other ways to do those things. And those other ways also open the floodgates for game pirates. So they shot them themselves in the foot when they did that. Has the group who's done this uh, said how much they're going to sell the dongles for? No, I've not seen anything so far that says how much the dongle's going to go for. Yeah, because I've seen nothing about price either. Are, are you? Would you consider getting one if it's reasonable? Or is that? Uh, no, I, I've got no need to. You've, um, you've, you've got no need to. I... I use the PlayStation 3 for playing Blu-ray and for playing the games that I purchased. I don't do homebrew. If I was going to do... Well, yeah, I, I just don't do homebrew. If I if I want to play a, a dinky little game, I'll play it on my cell phone. I, I want to play a game on my console. I want to play something that somebody's put some decent effort into. And until someone comes up with a really good you know, homebrew game that doesn't then get picked up by a publisher, I've got no reason to run homebrew. I'm not... The kind of geek who likes to install Linux on anything he can. <laughs> uh, it is a legitimate thing. <laughs> and I think that when you had the ability to run Linux on that machine, you could do some pretty amazing stuff. The, the hardware of the PlayStation 3 is pretty amazing when you get down to it and what the, the processing power it can actually do. So for those people who like to install Linux on those things and then run folding at home and all those sorts of stuff, then yeah, that was good, but it's not what I do. So, so the, the PlayStation 3 as standard, yeah, yeah, provides me with all of the things that I use a PlayStation 3 for. So so what if you had to use uh, a backup copy? Because you, I don't know if you've done this, but if you've backed up copies of your games in case they get scratched or damaged, and say one does get damaged, but you keep it, so you've got proof that you've actually purchased it, but you now need to use the backup copy. Well, you can't. You need the dongle. Is that, mm, well, well, would you consider uh, one then or? Just- uh, possibly, possibly. I'm, I endeavor to be as careful as I can with my discs and 
anybody who's got a, a DVD knows that you can put them through a little bit of punishment before they'll actually finally conk out on you. And if you get scratches and those sorts of things, you, there are plenty of <laughs> scratch, mover, scratch removers and cleaners out there which work brilliantly. Have you tried any of those? Yeah. And yeah. they do work? Yeah, yeah. I haven't tried any on an actual PlayStation 3 game. because No, but um, you've tried them on a DVD or a CD? I've, yeah, I've traded them on DVDs. I bought a copy of Blade Trinity because it's funny. And when I got it home, there was a dirty great big scratch on it. But because I'd already left the store, there was no way I could go back and claim you know, <laughs> that it wasn't something that I might have done. But I put it through uh, a friend of mine's DVD scratch remover and bing, not a problem afterwards. Oh, really? So these things, because uh, I, I kind of wondered about how successful those things really are. Yeah, mm. I, I bought a copy of, oh, what was it? Only Films and Horses, I think. In fact, I've got the whole series now. Uh, and, but one of the series. And, and the movies? Did they do a movie? They did films. Only for, Films and Horses? Yeah, yeah. Quite a few of the, the British sitcoms have had like movie specials and things. They've got really long episodes, and I, I think they're kind of like TV specials. Yeah, that, those would probably be oh, them. Those would be them, yeah, okay. They'd run yeah. like an hour and a half sort yeah, of yeah, 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 that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, no, I've got, the, yeah, I've got those as well, yeah. So not just the series one, two, three, four, but those specials as well. They've got Ooh. Christmas specials. They've got yeah, yeah. The, the after series as well, which is, uh, I think it was called Look at Us Now. Mm. Uh, but anyway, uh, well, get, get coming back to the story. Anyway, get excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to say this, though, while we're on, on the tangent, it is a fantastic piece of British comedy. It and is. Uh, yeah, I kind of miss that sort of league of comedy that you just don't get nowadays. But anyway, um, yeah, one of the DVDs just won't play on my DVD player. I think it'll play on the computer, but not on the DVD player. Yeah. But I'm not sure if it's because of a scratch or if it's just something else. But it, it looks like it kind of looks like the DVD player kind of freezes or or the software kind of temporarily I've had crashes. The exact same sort of thing on one of my previous DVD players. Whereas the 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 DVD player to play DVD movies sitting in my lounge would not read it. But if I stuck it into a, <laughs> my computer's DVD player, it'd work fine. It's almost as if the well quite possibly the, the case, is that the actual DVD drive, the, the laser and all of its mechanics that they put into the commercial DVD players for playing movies aren't of as high a quality as the ones that they put into the DVD drives that you put in a computer. And when you think of it, the, that could very well be the case. But Because I, I, I wondered I, if it was yeah. a... I wondered if it was more like a, a sort of a firmware type thing, a software, you know, yeah. new, new way of encoding or, or, or different Could be. Codec or have you checked to see if there's a firmware update for your DVD player? Uh, no, I don't think I have. The last thing I checked for that DVD player was the, the region free crack. It was actually the first thing I checked too. <laughs> it was the, the first thing I checked before I, before I buy a DVD player. I checked to see whether or not I can multi-zone it so I can watch my region ones. <laughs> well, mine's an LG and a lot of the LG models have the same code. And I think the, they've obviously got some maths geeks in, in LG because the code that you have to punch in is 314159, which, if you know, is, <laughs> is, is pi. pi. Yeah, 3.14159. That's what we did, actually, didn't we? Episode 78, I think it was. And in fact, the title of that episode is indeed Pi itself. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's the code you have to punch in to, to make it region-free on the on the LG. But it's old now. It's it's years old. I got it for free. I won it on the radio contest. Oh, cool. 
So, I mean, I'm not complaining, but uh, yeah, it just wouldn't play it. And uh, I considered trying a scratch remover thing, but I couldn't really see any visible scratches. So, I don't know. Mm. There you go. Well, it could be a, a fault in the actual DVD itself. Nothing wrong with the player. The player might just be too finicky to get over the fault, whereas the, the player in your computer is you know, maybe a little more loose with its interpretation and can make its way around the fault. Or better error correction if there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. better error correction. Right, now the story I brought on this week to wind you up, Brett, is Facebook not <laughs> liking a new social networking site designed for teachers to connect called TeachBook. And that oh, is, of course, so what is it that they're not liking about it? That there's like another the social networking take, trying to take away their clients or something else? Well, no, it's pretty much just a name, that it ends in book. They don't want any social networking sites other than themselves that end in book. Say what now? It ends in book. Yeah. So, so you can't have anything to do with a social network that has anything that ends in book. According to Facebook, that's what they don't like about it. That's right. What, what do you make of that? You think it's a joke, don't you? You think this is... I think, it's, I think it's another one of those completely ridiculous things where somebody's got a trademark on a name that contains an incredibly generic term and they then don't want anybody else to use that incredibly generic term. And when, if now that I'm onto my rant about incredibly generic terms, the term Facebook predates Facebook. Facebook is what American colleges used to call the book of mugshots in, you know, all of the student mugshots. It was called the Facebook. So <laughs> there's something else that predates the, the term Facebook. And oh, <laughs> you can't do that. It's just wrong trying to stop other people from being able to freely use the word, you know, whatever, book. I mean, if TeachBook mimicked Facebook and looked the same, oh, totally, you know, totally understand. Oh, yeah, because that's breaching, people. that's actually breaching trademark. That's right, you're confusing people. But yeah. t- t- just because it's called TeachBook, the, the, you know, it looks completely different. Uh, I, I can't see, see. These companies are, once again, it's people not changing with the time. <laughs> Certain terms, which might have started out as a company's name, suddenly become synonymous generic terms for a thing. It's like, if I say, go Google it, what do I mean? Well, you mean to search the internet. Ta-da! (laughs) It's become synonymous with go search the internet. (laughs) When it's, you know, look on Facebook, it's social networking sites, these things start to become synonymous. So Facebook is trying to make sure that things, no social networking and they they don't become part of this trend. They don't want to be, you know, go Facebook it, such as go Google it. But yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. You see, can't they, do they, that. they want to be the no. only book in town. That, that's they what do. It is. They want to be the only book in town. Oh, you know, I really think we should just create our own social networking site, and we'll put it out there for free. Make a nice free API. We'll let people do whatever they want on it, and we'll call it Face Space. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, that's actually that's a better name than Facebook too. It is. <laughs> I mean, but then Facebook wouldn't have wanted to do that because they might have impringed on that other social networking site. Oh yeah, MySpace. Good point, MySpace. Mm. And you know, the, the other thing that Facebook are trying to do is not only protect the trademark book, but also the trademark face. But what's interesting about that is that Apple owns the trademark FaceTime. <laughs> So how's that going to work? They can't do it there, can they? 
Well, yeah, and to me, face is quite broad. I don't, I, I don't know how these, how book these can be. Book is quite broad. Book is broad. Face is broad. I mean, how, how can you exactly prevent anyone oh, from having ridiculous. face? Or, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, when are we going to have to start paying licensing things to to Facebook every time we say that? that phrase or use the word face or use the word book. It's like I read a book and the other day, oh, and now I've got to pay one cent to, <laughs> to, to Facebook because I just used the term book. <laughs> well, and what I don't about know. iBooks? Are they going to go after Apple? Well, you oh, know, look, look, hang on. To, well, to, to keep this in perspective, remember, it is in the social networking space, and I think that's what they're trying to protect. Ah, yeah. So but, uh, once again, it's, you know, give an inch. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and actually, maybe what they'll they do, they'll, they'll prevent they go, you. Oh, we've got we've got book in in social networking. They can't use book. Oh wait, people are using book in other mediums, and we don't like that either because it's, it's infringing. Well, we've got this medium. Let's go for another one. Ah. Oh. <laughs> and actually, don't forget uh, Apple's face recognition uh, software that's built into iPhoto called Faces. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. This this whole thing it's just words are I don't everywhere. Know. Stop it, people! Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew that would wind you up, didn't I? I, I I'm doing well it's with these stories. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no one else can use the word Facebook as a social networking site. I will fully support them protecting their trademark. I will not support them then using their power to go out and reserve every other every other word possible that ends in book or starts with face. <laughs> I will not support that. Not even remotely. <laughs> no, look, I have to say, I, I totally agree with you as well. It's, it is ridiculous. And I'm going to move on before you get too wild. I want to talk about the MPEG, uh, MPEG LA, the, the MPEG Licensing Association. Now, you may recall a while ago we reported that that Google was releasing WebM, which mm-hmm. is royalty-free codecs basically for the web, for video yep. and audio. Whereas MPEG, which covers MP4, is riddled with royalties. Although having said that, they, they did have a moratorium on until I think end of 2015. But people are getting a little nervous and they're not wanting to commit too much in case, you know, come 2015, all these royalties will need to start getting paid. So mm. MPEG LA are worried that they're going to lose ground to WebM have now announced that it's going to be completely royalty-free indefinitely. Ah, not quite. Not quite royalty-free indefinitely. Only royalty-free for video that has been encoded and presented free on the internet. Yeah, actually, good point. Quite right. If you are, you know, services like Hulu Plus and iTunes, which have pay-per-view sorts of services, they still have to pay licensing fees. Yeah, quite right, actually. For using the codec. It's only places like YouTube. But that's fair Uh, enough, I think, isn't it? Don't you think? Uh, I mean, well, it is, it is, but WebM is free. <laughs> right, but okay, but the big, the big issue was when this, uh, you know, before WebM came along, was mm-hmm. the whole thing with MP4 was that if it got so ingrained and became an integral part of, of browsers and more importantly, HTML standards, yep. and we, we kind of got locked into it. It kind of means that we have to end up, or someone to has to eventually, it, yeah. yeah, start paying royalties just for any 
MP4 or MPEG based video on the web for yep. you know general population, and I think that was the big thing. Yeah, Wh- that was the big thing. I, uh, you know, when you're paying and, for and services, Google bring out their their webm. But when you're paying for services, I, to, that to me is a different kettle of fish. I mean, who cares what goes on behind the scenes? Well, yeah, yeah, it, it's it is a different kettle of fish. So I do I do agree that when there's an alternative that is completely free. Well, okay, the, still something sure. to think yeah, about. That, that, that is bit, yeah. The what it does mean is that the the fight between these two is going to be now that this licensing thing for for free to you know free to view stuff is 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 no longer in contention. It will all be about can Google make the codec better than H two six four? Will the quality be better? Will the file sizes be? Will it be better encoding? Will it provide better quality? Will it be better sound? Will integration be better? All of those sorts of things. Then it will actually be the nitty-gritty technology parts which will differentiate between the two and not the silly legal finagling on the outside of it preventing showing one up above the other. It will actually be the, the technology behind these two codecs. So I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's going to stifle WebM. Because it's hard to stifle something that Google's put its backing big time behind. Yeah, but remember, if it's not on the standards, it's not going to get used much. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the but thing, you know. I, I don't think it's going to stop its ability to get into the standards. Oh, you, you think WebM stands a good chance of getting into the standards? Yeah, I do. See, I, I don't, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I didn't really think it, it would for some reason. I don't know why. Hmm. Just a feeling. I'm betting it's, it won't get in this, into the standards, but who knows? But well, free is good. Free is good. I'm I'm all for free. Free is yeah. yeah. I use a lot of open source uh, software, and I, I think free is free is definitely a good thing. Yep. But anyway, so th- that's that. So on to the last international story. Google is going to allow us to make phone calls in Gmail. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Who, Whose toes does Google not want to step in? Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Friday. <laughs> so now they're taking on Skype. Yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're taking on. Well, pretty not much only are else. they taking on Skype, they are taking taking on local telephone companies. Yeah, because what are they offering? Free local calls within the U.S. and Canada. Yep, calls in U.S. and Canada will be free, and calls to several other countries like the U.K. and France will cost two U.S. cents a minute. So they're not just taking on VoIP services such as Skype. They are directly competing with local telecoms. Now, they're going to charge for international calls, and that's how they're going to subsidize the, the free uh, US and Canada calls. Well, that's, that's their plan. Their plan is that the international calls will subsidize the free US-Canada calls, those local calls. But they've got no rates plans or anything worked out beyond the end of 2010 just to see how it goes. So well, they don't want to commit it, beyond that. They're playing that, it pretty close, yeah. Yeah, because they don't, they don't know whether the international calls will, you know. They don't know whether or not this is going to be a feature that pans out or whether or not it's going to bomb. And so, yeah, they do not want to commit themselves to something that they then have to either pull or drastically alter afterwards. Well, I've got a sister living in the US. I should probably sign up for Gmail so I can call her for free. Well, will it be free? Will it be free for you? Well, the, the, why, yeah, why should it matter? New to, Zealand. Yeah, but it shouldn't, matter to, it shouldn't matter to Google. It's over the internet, so who cares? It reaches Google's servers and from there it goes to 
true. I don't see why. It's true. True. (laughs) Wow. So that's really going to screw basically every telecom in a country that is not the United States or Canada. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it's all to do with where their point of presence is, and that is in the US and Canada. That's where the servers are. That's where, yeah. (laughs) Wow. I'm (laughs) really going to look forward to seeing what, what, well, our local telecoms company's response to this is going to be. Yeah, but remember, and other international telecoms responses are going to be to to, to Google's uh, stepping in their playground. Yeah, but remember, <laughs> I think for most people, for most mum and dad families out there, they're not going to use it. There'll be, there'll be a lot of people that experiment with it. Some people like you and me that will use it, but your average everyday person in the street, uh, you know, that wants to make a phone call to the US, will just pick up the ordinary handset and dial a number. Mm-hmm. So the masses, I'm talking about the masses. I'm not saying this won't take off. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it won't take off. It will take off, but it's a, it's a certain audience for which it will work. And the, the masses, oh, they, they won't use it. Once something becomes, you know, quite well used by a niche and the benefits start being spouted out, you know, talked about by that niche and the benefits that the, the mass can use, the mass does tend to start to feed into that. Yeah, but look how long Skype phones have taken to catch on, and, and they still haven't caught on properly. I mean... What, you mean hard hardware Skype phones? Yeah. Well, it's because, it, once again, it requires a hardware thing. Well, even hardware so, things, or software for that matter. I mean, people aren't... People do use it, but just not as much as... Ordinary phones, it's just far more convenient to pick up your phone in your lounge. It's on the cordless. There it is on the couch. Pick it up. Dial a number. Hi, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm not I'm not saying they're making a mistake and we, we shouldn't use computers for phone calls. Not at all. I use, you know, I use computers to make phone calls already. I use Skype. Yeah. To, to, you know, Skype out. But what I'm saying is that I, I think, I could be wrong, but I think for the masses it will take either forever or at least a long time uh, to to catch on. Ah, well, we'll see. We'll see. But it's a great service. Imagine well, being able to call a US... Said, anything or, free is free, good. Well, exactly. Free is good. <laughs> anything free is, is, is... Well, doesn't necessarily mean it's good, but free is better than paying for it. <laughs> as long as the service is good. Yeah. That's the thing. If their service and support is crap, then free is... Nowhere near as good as something you pay for. You know, we should. They should use Levi, the the Mitre Ten guy, to change his phrase. Instead of "big is good," it should be "free is good." You could do the. Yeah, ads, that wouldn't work for-, for a commercial store. Because then, what are they advertising? <laughs> Come to our store, get your stuff for free. <laughs> well, no, I mean for Google, they could do the ads for Google. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for, they, for, they, they could they can the hire him to do yeah. it. <laughs> he, could be, he could be the front man, you know. Take, yeah. uh, people outside New Zealand wouldn't really understand it anyway. Oh. Because they, they, they don't get the biggest good thing. But anyway, yeah. there you go. All and right. they wouldn't be able to use him anyway. They'd need to get somebody else and do it as a parody sort of thing because otherwise they'd be breaching trademark, wouldn't they? Yeah, they might actually. <laughs> oh, this gets too complicated. Right, I'm going to call it quits for this segment. That's it for the international stories. We've got a couple of New Zealand stories to talk about right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Now, before we go into the two stories I wanted to talk about, just one quick little uh, tidbit of uh, information I managed to get from Microsoft. 
they are going to do a Office 2011 launch in Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch. I'm certainly hoping to go to the Wellington one. So keep an eye out for invitations if you want to go to that. That's Office 2011 for Mac, of course. Sweet. Yeah, they invited me to the last one. Uh, it was actually a retail launch, and they uh, they invited me to that. Don't know why, because I'm, I'm not retailing it. I suppose <laughs> I could. Through, we could do it through this podcast, <laughs> make a few sales that way. But uh, yeah, they invited me to that, and that was really cool. And so I'm hoping to go to the 2011 one. So apparently there, oh, there will be excellent. one, and it will be in October. So there Brilliant. you go. That's my little spies working for me over at Microsoft have told me that. <laughs> Now, onto these couple of stories I want to talk about in the New Zealand tech space is Medal of Honor Black Ops. That's the latest Medal of Honor game, a first-person shooter, has been criticised by our Defence Minister, Wayne Mapp. He says it undermines the values of our nation because it allows players to become Taliban insurgents. Oh, what poppycock. He's not the, the only one to say that. It's been criticised by defence people in the UK as well as other people in the United States. And all because it's set in Afghanistan. And with the title Black Ops, you can expect that you would be playing, doing Black Ops missions in Afghanistan. And they're all jumping on this wagon because the game allows you to play as the Taliban fighting the coalition and that's it that's the reason oh it's just blown out of proportion it's people taking offense at things which aren't meant to offend it's ah one of the quotes in it which really really got me was it was shocking that someone would think it would be acceptable to recreate the acts of the taliban in this game and to participate in it But how many games have we got and novels and things which talk about World War II and allow you to play as the Allies or the Axis powers? (laughs) Exactly. And you know, know, my reaction is this. It is a current event. It is a current thing happening. And anything that has the word terrorist in it has been such a bashed around blame word since 2001. It's... So here's my take on it. The fact that I don't like that the game allows you to play Taliban insurgents, so what? So what? It's a game. It's a game. People have been playing games since, you know, we crawled out of the ooze, I'm sure. We've all played games as kids. Cops and robbers. Cowboys Cowboys and Indians. Indians. Pirates versus ninjas. Somebody always has to play as the cop. Somebody's got to play as the robber. Somebody plays as the cowboy. Somebody plays as the Indian. Somebody plays as the pirate. Someone plays as the ninja. Someone plays as the American paratrooper. Somebody plays as the Nazi commando. It's games. Exactly. Exactly. Somebody's got to play on each side of it. (laughs) Absolutely. And... And if it feels, don't play it. It's, ah. I think think Wayne Mapp just has to get real. And and, I mean, I don't know. I'm not even going to give him the time. I'm not going to give him any more time on the story because it's just stupid. (laughs) All I can say is that all of this controversy over it is just going to make this game sell out faster. Yep. And good on them. (laughs) And look, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should be 
supporting the Taliban necessarily. No, but the game doesn't, and, and, and it's not, not nothing to do with that. Just like it's the, nothing. The, the exactly. previous first person shooters, they don't support. You know well, the Axis powers. Well, it's got nothing like, to do with it's supporting. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's yep. just because this particular game is set in a current event. It is a current military action which is occurring. I think they're oversensitive. That's what they are. They are being quite oversensitive about it. It's not derogatory towards servicemen. You can play as the allies in it. Well, you Go know what? My... Doing the black ops, shooting all the bad people. Well, here's my it's... here's my other take on it. If you think it's and this is, if you like, to, directed towards Wayne Map. If you think it's disrespectful towards the Allies, then wouldn't it also be disrespectful towards the Afghani people, the Taliban, whom the Allies are fighting? Regardless of the rights or wrongs, wouldn't it also be disrespectful towards those people to play the Allies? And therefore, we are being one-sided? I mean, yeah. what about do unto others? And I know it's, a, you know, obviously they're the enemy. Yeah, uh, it's, but but it's, it's, what I'm saying is it's relative. You know, to, to them, exactly. we are the enemy. Precisely. You know? And we're not picking like sides. Seeing, I'm not picking it's like sides. seeing current action movies. In the past, the action movies were always America versus Russia. But now that America and Russia are buddies, it's now America versus the Chinese or the North Koreans or, you know, somebody else who was seen as the possible bad guy, the, 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 the antagonist in the, in the stories. So there's always got to be the two sides to these sorts of games, to these sorts of stories, as there are to wars. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I, I think we're going to move on because I don't want to mention Wayne Map any, any more in the story. <laughs> I think it's a storm in a teacup. Yes. Over something which is not there to offend. It exactly. is there to be a game to entertain. Exactly. And now to I, what I think is a good news story, and that is Pacific Fibre is the company that's going to lay uh, new internet cables between New Zealand, Australia and the States. So basically connecting us to the outside world. And you know, up until now, we've had these horrendous data charges and that is because the companies that run the cables, or the ex- well, the existing cables, that is, charge per megabyte. So Pacific mm. Fiber, who are about to lay the, the next set of cables, have decided to basically flip the whole model right around, and this time, instead of charging per megabyte to ISPs, who then obviously pass those charges on, they want to charge ISPs by the number of subscribers. And the idea behind that is so that ISPs would be able to offer data plans with no caps or, or very high caps. What do you think of that? I think that is brilliant. I, I think, think that is, is yeah, absolutely stunning. The big problem with the current way that the, the fees go, you know, data caps, bandwidth charges, is how much of the time is all of the pipe being used? And how much of it is just sitting there to waste because people don't want to pay for those huge data charges? Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think this is a very smart move, flipping the whole charging model right around. I think it's a brilliant move. And as long as that per customer fee is a reasonable price offset against having a generous data allowance or no data cap at all, I think it could see some pretty good usage. I hope it works. That's all I can say. Yeah. Well, it's only through things like this plan which are going to allow unlimited or 
incredibly large data caps for countries such as uh, New Zealand, Australia and other parts that don't have unlimited currently. It's the only way that any businesses that want to provide a service through a streaming data model, like we were talking about with you know HD streaming services from iTunes or those sorts of things, it's only through things like this that are going to allow those to actually become global sorts of services, globally usable things. Because otherwise, it will be America gets to have streaming HT media because they've got unlimited data plans, whereas New Zealand, nobody has an unlimited data plan. So we can afford to do it. Exactly. To get that service, which completely blocks out different parts of the global market to those companies trying to offer those services. But through plans like this, through things like this, that allow other countries to open up their data plans to have unlimited data plans for for internet. We're going to be able to get services. We're going to be able to get these sorts of things. We're going to be able to get the cloud to actually be a usable entity instead of this nice idea in the sky, but not usable on a global scale. So, yeah, I think it's brilliant. So in terms of... Two uh, thumbs up. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the, the other service that comes to mind is online backups. Yeah, because, you know that uses a huge amount. We we can't afford to do that here in New Zealand because of the, our data charges. By the time you've backed up, you know, a, a few tens of gigs, at least for your initial one, anyway, which yeah. could be hundreds of gigs. Well, it's, indeed, it's, it's, especially it's, with the size of hard drives these days and how cheap they are. Yeah, exactly. So this story is very much a case of big is good. <laughs> Had to slip that one in there. So look, hence hence the name of this episode. There you go. Big is good. Episode eighty one. And on that note. Folks, I think that's it. We're going to close the show here. Uh, So we're going to call it quits for this week. But don't worry, we'll be back again next week for episode 82. Brett, thank you very much. Once again, you're a wonderful co-host. Always a pleasure, Edwin. And we'll see you again next week, right, Brett? Yes, indeed. Good stuff. Monday morning. Thank you very much, everyone. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 